Greetings from Quail Lakes Baptist Church in Stockton, California. Thank you for your interest in our downloadable messages. Our more recent teachings, such as Pastor Mark's current sermon series, are always available on iTunes. However, for a more comprehensive offering of Quail's Bible-based teachings from Pastor Mark and others, we offer an extensive archive of downloadable sermon MP3s on our website, as well as information on our fellowship and our ministries. Please visit us online at www.qlbc.org. These messages are also available on CD or cassette. For more information, please call our church office at 209-951-7380. We trust you will be blessed and edified by what you are about to hear. Thank you for listening. That was uh, Dana Savanek singing that song, and Dana, uh, our speaker today, I should say, is Dana's husband, Tim Savanek. Now, Pastor Tim has uh, been in our high school ministry for more than 14 years, and uh, I reflect on the fact that most of the young people in his ministry are between 14 and 18 years old. That means he was doing this work in ministry here at Quail while some of them were still babies. And I, I reflect on that because that is an important thing to note. That is not the norm. That is not usual. But the reason that Tim, Pastor Tim has such staying power in youth ministry is because of a combination of his vision and his passion uh, to see young people raised up as disciples of Jesus Christ. It's really all about fellowship, being in the Word, and serving the Lord, and growing up in that context. And those are the things that he emphasizes in uh, the high school ministry, particularly that Bible study and service for the Lord, whether locally or internationally, as he takes the trips that you know, you've heard about uh, with the the young people. It's a privilege to work side-by-side with Pastor Tim. Pastor Tim is the longest full-time senior staff member here at Quail other than me. So we've gotten used to one another by now. And Tim's here to open the Word for us today. Let's give him a hand as he comes. Here's Tim. Well, the good thing is that they were hiring people at 15 when I first came. Um, Put that together, and my 30th birthday is coming soon, um, which is awesome. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, 14 years. How awesome is that? It's been so cool to share and be among you for all those years. Uh, To start this, here's what we need to do. How many of you guys have ever shopped at Ikea? Now, this isn't like a test, or this isn't me judging you. because half my house is Ikea, so uh, in that, but I want you to know, then the rest of you at least know what Ikea is, right? It's this yellow and blue Swedish mega mall, right? We got that? You've seen it passing by, right? Some of you actually know it as a restaurant, uh, and that's all you know it as. You're like, Swedish meatballs, there's like 40 of them for a dollar. Um, you know, some of you had them this last weekend, I know, that's how it works. Um, the thing is this, is when you do a shopping trip, Uh, to Ikea, it is this crazy adventure that you go on. So let's say we're gonna do that, and we're going and we're going to buy a dresser. And you look and you get in this gigantic store, you know, I think it's like three square miles inside. 
And when you're in there, it's got a multiple levels in that it actually takes a two days journey. You have, to get a, you have to get a hotel, come back the next day to finish up your path around this store. But as you're searching, you know what? You find your dresser and you're like, all right, great. Then you get this number, which then takes you to this huge warehouse that you have to then go and match that up. But as you're going, you need to get something to, to, to pick that up. So you grab one of the Ikea carts. Now again, for those of you that have been there, you know. This, this cart has four wheels that are all going a different direction at the same time. And you almost spend as much time trying to navigate this cart to get where you need to go. And then in that you're going, is this a sign they can't get the cart right? Um, is my furniture gonna even work? Here we are. So moving on is this, is that after you get that, you go on, you match the numbers, you go in the warehouse, you pick up the thing, and all of a sudden like you're going, wait, there's only like four small boxes for my entire dresser. And you're like looking at it going, is something wrong? Did I get the wrong number? You know, did I get an end table? Like, what is this? And as you're putting it, you're like, wow, this is all fitting into my shopping cart. Why did I rent the U-Haul? Um, what am I gonna do with this? So I can actually buy my whole house now, right? The thing is you end up then getting home and you open up the box and you're met with the assembly instructions. Again, if you've done this, you open it and you're like, wait, what? And in that, what's so funny about them is this. There's no words, there's cartoon characters, and they're happily building your furniture, and you're like, okay. And then each, each step is a weird drawing, and you're trying to find this. You're trying to navigate through these instructions. And the fun thing that they add is this. They only give you one tool, right? The Ikea Allen key. If you've ever had that, you know. It's about this big, and it's, it, it's, that's all it is. And then you're like going, you know, if you've ever used it, you're thinking, someone at corporate's laughing at me right now. Going, ha, I'm gonna send these out and everyone's gonna get one of these. Good luck doing that for an hour and a half, right? And it ends up that way. So here's the thing, you just step into it and you go, all right, I got this. And you're trying to go, wait, what side's what? Is this, this isn't fitting? Um, what do I do with this? Is this the right angle? Is, this, is the drawing wrong? Why is that guy so happy in the drawing? I'm not happy anymore. Um, what do I put where? Is this correct? Is this the right piece? Am I doing this correct? This is not making sense. I can't follow these instructions at all. It's getting way too hard. Frustration starts setting in. Now you're crumbling up the instructions. You're shooting for three and you're like, I can't do this anymore. I'm gonna do it on my own. Forget them. I got this down. I got a picture. And you keep doing it. You're like, wait, this still isn't working. Pain, agony. If I have to tighten one more bolt with that thing and you're losing control. And at that point, then you just go, look at, I'm done. You know, this is taking longer than driving to Ikea, right? It's like, this is epic, and I can't do this. It's way too hard. It's just not working. It's not making sense. And you give up, you quit, you know, you pretty much use it for firewood later and say so much for the dresser. Uh, today, we're in Joshua 6. And the thing is this, with this thing, is that God is giving Joshua instructions that are just like that where he's kind of like, wait, wait, what? They didn't make any sense at all. And the Israelites then were gonna have to trust God and trust Joshua with these instructions, having faith that God's way was best and that his promise actually remains true. So keep marching is the key phrase that I want you to continue to have in your brain. Keep marching. And a little backstory is this. As Joshua, the book begins, it pretty much has God saying, hey, Josh, here's the deal. Pack up, it's time to lead these people into the promised land. 
And then he gives them instructions on how to obey the instructions. In Joshua 1, it says this, 1, 7, and 8, it says, be careful to obey all the instructions Moses gave you. Do not deviate from them, turning either to the right or the left. Study this book of instruction continually. Meditate on it day and night. And he adds a number of times in that first chapter, this bit of saying, look at, be strong and courageous, for I will be with you. You gotta figure Joshua has been waiting to hear enter the promised land for a long time. Throughout these desert wanderings, he had witnessed firsthand what it was like to disobey, to deviate from the left or the right and not stay on focus. He had watched how disobedience to God's instructions and what it looked like. He'd watched a people that become so close to a promise yet disobey, yet complain, and step out of what was right there. Even to a point where there's a piece of it when disobedience steps in and they had 11 days of a journey to a promised land that ended up being 40 years of wandering. Now he's told to lead them in. So if you have your Bible, we're gonna be in chapter six of Joshua. And we'll start with verse one. It says, now the gates of Jericho were securely barred because of the Israelites. No one went out and no one came in. The city is on complete lockdown. Jericho has stopped all its normal activities. They are on full alert and ready for an attack. And although it's not a big city, it's about nine acres, it was a well-defended city. Some of your versions might say heavily fortified, which is a fancy word of just saying strengthened for attack. And it's surrounded by two walls. And it was believed to be unbeatable. But we read in earlier verses, we also are told at different moments where the people were fearful. They were melting in fear is what it says. They had heard the stories, the reports of this mighty work of God that was happening and they were terrified. Verse two goes on and says, then the Lord said to Joshua, see I have delivered Jericho into your hands along with its king and its fighting men. So God and Joshua have this conversation and God speaks in past tense. He says, see, I have delivered, I have given, having already been accomplished. So we go from verse one of being this whole idea of securely barred and to verse two that I have delivered them into your hands. Before God outlines the how, he reassures the outcome. I was on a missions trip two years ago. It was about two years ago in the summer. We were in Anaheim. And uh, we're gonna change the names to protect the innocent. So we're gonna call the kid Peter Vanderpool. And, um, and then we'll call his mom Jenny. And on this trip, it's this crazy moment that happened where there's a youth pastor, you never wanna see this, but it happened. He busts open his face in the middle of one of our things. And it wasn't like a bust open, it was like a bust open. It was like, it looked like an eyeball was coming out of the side of his cheek. Um, so grotesque that we couldn't put a picture up. Um, it's even weirder that I took one. But uh, if you wanna see it later, you can contact me. Um, the thing is, is that happens, and so I call Jenny, and I'm like, Jenny, hey. <laughs> so, so Peter, you know, uh, yeah, Peter, oh, <laughs> Peter, man. We were playing basketball, and oh, and then there's this long dramatic pause. Right, and I'm going, man, you're not gonna believe what happened. <laughs> so, oh, Peter, I don't think he's gonna. No, 
right? That's not how I started it. I reassured the outcome first. Hello, Peter's alive. I repeat, Peter is alive and he will be attending college. He will be attending college. And then I moved into the how, right? I just said, look, and he took an elbow to the face. It's kind of creepy looking. It's like an eyeball sticking out, but you don't have to worry. He will not have any girlfriends in college at all. You're welcome. <laughs> right? He might even get to join the circus. I don't know. God speaking to Joshua says, I have delivered, reassuring him that he was already ahead of him. God would bring the victory, not due to their strength and abilities, but to God's power alone. God now unveils his plan, and this is the how in verse three. March around the city once with all the armed men. Do this for six days. Have seven priests carry trumpets of ram's horns in front of the ark. On the seventh day, march around the city seven times with the priests blowing the trumpets. When you hear them sound a long blast on the trumpets, have the whole army give a loud shout. Then the walls of the city will collapse and the army will go up everyone straight in. These are the instructions to follow. And you probably all sat in those moments where you've talked to someone and you're like, you ever had that, wait, wait, what did you say moment? Like what? And can you see Joshua reviewing this in his head? This was the wait, wait, what did you say again, God? Like wait, 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 march what? Uh, uh, he was a military leader, right, a soldier. And he'd been a spy years ago where he went into the promised land, came back, gave a report to the people, and they all turned down God's plan. When he's like, let's do this, let's take this, we got it. And they're like, no thanks, we'd rather stay here. And here he is with these oddest instructions. And this is how I think a meeting with the people would have sounded if he would have promoted this plan, right? God talks to him, then he goes to the people and says, like, all right, military leaders, here's, here's what we got, right? This is so good, get ready. Okay, we're gonna gather the army. What we're gonna do is we're gonna dress them all up, get them ready for battle, set them up, and we'll get them set, and then we're gonna get these priests, and then let's give them trumpets. That'll be awesome, right? You know, trumpets, that's a great touch. You know, we'll have like our own marching band along with us, and then in that, you know, let's, let's play the Rocky theme, you know? Dun, 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 dun. You know, that'll intimidate the enemy, like we'll be going around there, we got the trumpets, we got this whole thing. This is sounding awesome, but wait, this it gets even better. Then let's do this. Let's march around the city once, each day for six days. I mean, can you see this? Can you see like, dun, 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 right? No, I don't even know what tune that was. But in that, the thing is, is going on six days. And then, okay, here we go. On the seventh day, we're gonna walk around the city a bunch. Like, let's do seven laps, you know? If you got a Fitbit, you're gonna catch up with all your steps that day. It's gonna be awesome. And then for the finale, at the end of the seventh lap, the trumpets are gonna blast, the army's gonna shout real loud, I mean like really loud, like they can hear us all the way back in Egypt loud, right? And then the city walls are just gonna fall flat, we're gonna walk right in, bam, drop the mic, we win, over. Can you see the people looking at him going, hmm, wow, no, we're not doing that. We're not doing any of that. They would have been like, look, to attack a city that's a walled city, are you kidding me? We need battling rams and we need catapults and we need you know, ladders and we need this and that, blah, 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 strategy, blah, 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 military stuff, right? That's what they're gonna end up saying. But these were God's instructions. This was his playbook. I want you to do it this way. Isaiah 55, eight says, for my thoughts are not your thoughts and neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. 
This was a strange, odd list of instructions, but this was God's how. Verse six goes on, so Joshua, son of Nun, called the priest and said to them, take up the ark of the covenant of the Lord and have seven priests carry trumpets in front of it. And he ordered the army advance, march around the city with the armed guard going ahead of the ark of the Lord. Then Joshua had spoke to the people, the seven priests carrying the seven trumpets before the Lord went forward, blowing their trumpets, and the ark of the Lord's covenant followed them. The armed guard marched ahead of the priests who blew the trumpets, and the rear guard followed the ark. All this time the trumpets were sounding, but Joshua commanded the army, do not give a war cry, do not raise your voices, do not say a word until the day I tell you to shout, then shout. This is how he actually steps into addressing the people, and it's brilliant. He just calls them together, and he says, all right, here's what you need to do. March. Ready? Break. That's it. If you've ever seen Karate Kid, yeah, the old one, that was like the wax on, wax off. I don't know what he was doing. I'm, I don't know if I'm doing a dance. Um, but the thing is, he did the wax on stuff. The newer version of it has this moment where this kid, it's the same storyline, same kind of setup, but he's learning, he's going to learn Kung Fu from this guy. And he goes in, and instead of the wax on, wax off, we have this moment where he does this jacket thing, where he tells him, all right, for your first lesson, take off your jacket, hang it, take off the thing, put it back on, take it off, do it again. And the kid first day is going, okay, that's weird, but okay. Next day he comes back, he tells him to do it again, and he's like, okay, we're doing the same thing. Kid doesn't understand exactly, he's like trying to follow these instructions, but he's like, what is going on with this? And as it continues on, the kid eventually gets to a point where he just flips out and he's like, wants to quit. He starts yelling at him. He's like, do you even know how to teach Kung Fu? Because this jacket thing, kind of silly. You know, it's like, this doesn't make any sense at all. And then if you fast forward, in the first service, I said fast forward and I said VHS tape, which they all got. <laughs> you guys, I have to say like digital. What do I have to say? Um, I said VHS. They're like, whoa, I still have one. Um, you know, and I'm like, oh, God, that's not going to work the other two services. But if you fast forward to the fight scene, the kid then sees the meaning of obedience, of discipline, of following instruction. And what seemed to make no sense at all of putting on and off this jacket causes his fighting abilities to excel, and he wins the battle. There was purpose in the practice, in the obedience to the instructions given. Obedience was developing a person. And Israel really had been in training for over 40 years. They had failed so many times before, not listening, not obeying, choosing their own way. And then Josh brings these instructions. And notice what he doesn't say, what he doesn't tell the people. He doesn't say how long. He doesn't say what's gonna happen or how it's gonna happen. He just told them instructions, and this is what you need to know, and that's it. It wouldn't have been very difficult to follow, right, if you were told exactly how everything was gonna happen. You know, if he's like, hey everyone, here's the deal, gonna march for seven times, at the end of that, boom, we win, the end, obstacles gone, the people would have been like, sweet, I mean, I've been walking in the desert for years, I can walk another seven days. But he didn't tell him that. The instructions left a daily dependence on God. There was purpose in the practice 
in the obedience to the instructions given. Obedience was developing a nation to rely on God by faith one day at a time, even when it was hard, even when it didn't make any sense, even when they didn't know how long it was gonna be. Verse 11 says, so he had the ark of the Lord carried around the city, circling it once, and then the army returned to camp and spent the night there. So it begins, day one they march, they encircle the city once, the march ends and nothing. They're sent back to camp. Josh knows there's six more days and then this obstacle is gonna be removed. But the people had no idea. Obedience was developing a nation. If you skip to verse 14, it says, so on the second day, they marched around the city once and returned to camp. Day one, I think the soldiers, they got on all their gear and they're like, sweet, it's game day. Here we go, we're taking the city. It's gonna be awesome, right? And as they step into that, nothing happens. You know, they're thinking, well, maybe Josh, you know, just wanted to just to, imit- you know, to, to intimidate this enemy. You know, maybe we did this eerie, weird, silent march with just some trumpets. Maybe we're, maybe we're just checking the place out to figure out what we're gonna do. You know, maybe we're sizing them up. But day two, the soldiers then had to be sitting there thinking, is Josh okay? <laughs> just did a march again, you know, just did another stroll around Jericho. Um, has Josh had too much milk and honey in this new land? Because this isn't working, right? And even in that, I wonder what the Jerichoites, however you say their name, I guess that's how you put it, wonder what they thought. Because it was this odd, this weird, mysterious, kind of scary, silent walk with horns. And at first, I'm sure they're like, we're gonna die, we're all gonna die, because it said they were fearful. But by day two, I wonder if they started looking at this going, what? They started mocking them, you know, like, wow, the Israelite marching band is back. Ooh, scary. (laughs) Keep marching. Can we request a song? You know, I don't know what that looked like. The verse goes on and says they did this for six days. Imagine this, day three, day four, day five, day six. Get ready, set up, walk around, go back to camp. They had no idea how many days were left. No idea. And as people, we get anxious. We want results, we want movement, we want our timing, we want it this way. They were just told to march every day and just listen to the instructions. They're probably wondering, is this even working? Like, you know, because for us, we want to see progress. We want to see the end, we want to see results, we want to see we're getting somewhere. We want to see that God is actually working. He's actually doing something. This was an obedience march. We're called by God to walk by faith, not by sight, 2 Corinthians 5, 7. The focus wasn't to be on the walls, but in obedience to God's command. Keep marching. Even though it seemed as if nothing was happening in their current situation, their current circumstances, they weren't seeing the bricks starting to crack. They weren't seeing the people running out with flags saying, we surrender. All these things that would point to progress, right? 
But God was working on the Israelites. But he was also working on the fact that the promise was coming. Obeying God's instruction prepares us for that coming promise. Verse 15, on the seventh day they got up at daybreak and marched around the city seven times. The seventh time around when the priests sounded the trumpet blast, Joshua commanded the army, shout, for the Lord has given you the city. When the trumpets sounded, the army shouted, and the sound of the trumpets, and at the sound of the trumpets, when the men gave a loud shout, the walls collapsed, so everyone charged straight in, and they took the city. This must have been crazy, because again, they didn't know. They didn't know what was gonna happen. They didn't know how it was gonna happen. They probably were thinking as they're walking around not talking, going, how are we gonna attack this fortified city? We don't even have anything to attack them with. But they kept marching. Hebrews 11.30 then, the New Testament looking back at this says, by faith the walls of Jericho fell after the people had marched around them for seven days. How did the walls of Jericho fall? Not by military warfare or power, but by faith in the promise of God to keep marching. So many times in Israel's past, they were so close to a promise. So close to a promise, so close to the amazing things God had in store for them, had planned for them, had promised them. And they traded in that promise because of disobedience. They didn't follow God's instructions. They attempted to do things on their own power, just started giving up. Remember that 11-day journey took 40 years of wandering. In life and ministry, I've seen so many people stop short of the promises of God. And I'm asking you to don't stop short, to keep marching even when it's difficult, even when these Jerichos show up, these obstacles block your way, and you see no way through, to choose to stick that out, even when it seems an unbeatable situation, to keep marching. There's a quote that says, obedience to God doesn't require a total understanding of his commands. It requires trust in God even when the entire purpose can't be seen. We are to keep marching, to trust the one who declared so many promises in your life, to stay obedient to God in his word. They couldn't see day seven, yet they were continuing to follow God's instructions every day, even when it was hard, even when it didn't make sense, even when progress wasn't obvious, to keep marching. So I say to you guys, don't give up. Don't quit. Don't deviate from the left or the right to stay focused, to persevere through whatever you're going through. It's the Lord's battle, and it's one day at a time. I do believe there's a day seven for everyone. There's a promise. There is a God that is always faithful. Commit to following him no matter what it looks like. By faith, the walls came down, and so can yours. So keep marching. Let's pray.
Father, we just ask that you, you just encourage us, God, in the fact that with these people you were teaching them what it means to walk in obedience, what it means to trust you fully. And God, I ask for each one in this room, Lord, that you just help us as we may see Jericho's in our way, we may see obstacles in our way, we may feel like we've been circling forever. But God, to trust that you have a plan and a purpose in God that you see day seven. God, that you have promised these things to us, God. Help us to not focus on walls, but focus on the faithfulness of who you are. In Jesus' name, amen. And thank you. Thank you, Tim. As always, as we prepare to leave this place, we have prayer counselors next to the organ by the prayer table. Maybe you're facing an obstacle. Maybe there's something in your life for which you need prayer, a decision you're making, or an issue that you're facing. These prayer counselors would love to pray with you, to pause and to bring that need before the Lord this morning. You don't have to carry your burden out today. You can lay it down, and they will wait for you right over here by the organ. You slip forward as others leave. But before we do that, let's stand together for a closing prayer. And before we pray, let's sing a song, okay? I'm thinking of a song. It's not the song that you probably think about when you think about Jericho. We're not singing Joshua foot the battle of Jericho. But I think about how awesome our God is in that kind of power. So you know the song, Our God is an Awesome God? Let's sing that together. Our God is an awesome God. He reigns from heaven above with wisdom, power, and love. Our God is an awesome God. Once again, our God is an awesome God. He reigns from heaven above with wisdom, power, and love. Our God is an awesome God. Thank you, Heavenly Father, for this story, the display of your might. Thank you, Lord, that you call us to concentrate on obedience, not on the obstacles that are before us. Help us to be your obedient people in the week ahead. Jesus, help us to represent you well to those who need you. For we pray this in your precious name. Amen. God bless you. Thanks for coming today.